everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Bali. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for my good buddy, Seth Robinson. Seth? Hey, how you doing? Well, uh, currently on, what is it, April 16th, I'm staring outside the window, and it is a blizzard here in New Hampshire after having basically a nice spring for the beginning part of April. Uh, so typical New England weather, but wow, it's sort of, I woke up to this and was just a little bit of a groan. I hope it yeah, it's an unfortunate, uh, lingering effect of winter. It's definitely been nice. I think I might've mentioned on the podcast before, you know, even beyond getting vaccinated, which we've both done. Um, I feel like I'm looking forward to the warm weather. Um, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and just being able to get, get out and feel the sun a little bit, but uh, hopefully not too much longer. Yeah. I think there's a lot of vitamin D deficiency going on with people. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the, the pale glow of my computer monitor hasn't quite uh, fit the bill. No, no, it hasn't. But we have a guest today, one of our favorites. So I'm really excited to welcome Dave Sobel. Dave. Thanks for having me. It's good to catch up with you guys again. Now, yeah, identify yourself. Identify yourself because we all know you in the industry, but I never know what title you have these days. So uh, these days I go by host of the Business of Tech podcast. Awesome. Generally, what people know me for these days. Yeah, you want to give a little little plug? Tell us what's been going on on your podcast lately. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I each day I spend about five minutes covering a couple of stories of the day, and I ask the question, "Why do we care?" Um, to give some perspective to IT services companies and, of course, MSPs and solution providers of what they care about, what's going on in the in the news, and and give some perspective on why I think those stories are important. It's available, of course, on all your favorite podcatchers, as well as a weekly version now on YouTube. If you'd rather watch it as a video, it comes out on Fridays. Nice. nice. Yeah, we've uh, we've been on YouTube for a little while now, too, and that seems to pick up a little bit of a different audience uh, than the podcatcher stuff does. Yeah, the, the demographic differences. We could do a whole discussion about the difference in demographics between the audiences, but it but really is about just being sure to offer a little bit of that independent perspective. You know, I've been on my own now for, what, a year and a half or so. Former MSP, former vendor, now giving uh, independent analysis on all this stuff. You're a thought leader now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I create thoughts. I won't necessarily say they're always leaders. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, we'd like to hear some of those thoughts today. The last time we had you on the podcast, we did underrated, overrated, uh, and we're, we're doing another under type theme today, but these are things that are under the radar, things that uh, are happening in the tech industry that aren't getting a whole lot of press that you know people aren't talking about as much, but uh, really might kind of shape things moving ahead. Uh, so I think we each have a topic to throw out here and, and talk about, and I'll, I'll kick things off. Uh, we've all been talking for a, quite a while now about how technology is becoming such a huge industry, and it's really influencing society, and it's in the headlines all the time. I think one thing that has started to become noticeable to me is that there's kind of a digital divide within the tech industry. So when we are talking about these things that are in the headlines, these major tech vendors, they are dealing with things mostly because they're dealing at such a large scale that the vast majority of the rest of the technology industry is not dealing with. 
Um, so that's that's one side of, of the digital divide or one reason for the digital divide, I think, is that these issues that when it comes to maybe some of the regulations they're going to face or some of the, the problems that they're wrestling with are probably not the same regulations and problems that your average IT firm or your average MSP is going to deal with. Now, some of them are, there's a little bit of overlap, but, but oftentimes I think it's more like, you know, if you have a reach of a billion customers, here's a thing that you have to worry about. And most people don't have that. The other part of the digital divide that I see that, that probably is a little bit more relevant here is a lot of these things that we are seeing take place, especially in consumer technology, uh, as we've all become familiar with some of the capabilities that technology can bring us, you really need a lot of resources to be able to do that. Uh, so I, I think that there's a little bit of a tendency to look at an app that's out there or to look at maybe the use of machine learning or, or the ability of somebody to build out a whole IoT network and collect data and really fine tune their business. And, and to begin to think that, oh, that's, that's easy. Like, you know, <laughs> that's uh, anyone can do that. Uh, we just need to, you know, get some new tools in here and then our, our regular little IT team of five people should be able to, to manage that. And that's uh, not true at all. Uh, you know, the, these companies are huge because it takes a lot of people to do some of the things that they're doing. Um, and, and I've seen this on websites, you know, when, when you look at a website and you think, well, this could be, you know, so much better. Uh, well, it could be if you had 200 people, you know, working on the various services that are going on on the website. And most people don't have that. And I, and I think that that's underappreciated. So that's kind of my thing. I see this digital divide taking place where we, we might almost be missing some of the issues that the rank and file are dealing with when we're focusing on what the big boys are doing. It's an interesting take because, the, you know, the, there is... There's, the market has become so much big and so all-encompassing. That's some of the other bit about it is, is, is we, we get in the DeLorean, right? We go back 20 years, 30 years, and we talk about the tech industry. Like it kind of all looked a lot alike because of the, the kinds of things we're rolling out. But technology is in so many different industries at so many different sizes and so many different scales that, that what you're describing as a divide is more the, also the segmentation of a market having different sets of problems. Um, you know, and I, and I, we could have like, a, you know, I could dive in on one of your particular examples and go, well, it could be this or could be that. I'm with you in that there's, it's interesting to me that the haves in certain ways are pulling ahead in such incredible ways. When I think about big tech and their reach and their capability, they really do have monstrous numbers of people. I mean, if you think about like, I mean, the late, latest stat I heard on this is, you know, Facebook now has 10,000 people working on VRAR. 10,000 people like that's, you know, that, that is, that is a really massive workhorse just working on one particular problem. You know? So when you say like, you're exactly right, like, well, we could just do a VR solution. Well, it's a lot harder, right? There's a, there's a lot of people working on that. And so that, that gets lost. And because thematically we've always said technology will make things faster, cheaper, easier. Uh, that's not always the really the way it is. And those of us in technology know it actually spend has always gone up. If it was always cheaper, why is spend always going up? Well, it's that we're deploying the money better or more intelligently, 
but I'm with you that I think that there is a divide on the haves and have nots in terms of those that have really embraced tech and have the capabilities to really implement it. Yeah, I'll, I'll weigh in here. I, I mean, I think if you, and I know Dave that you'll definitely understand this, but you know, the average channel firm, whatever bucket they're in, solution provider, MSP, whatever is very small. And I think this really comes down to Seth, what you're saying about the ability to scale and the ability to, you know, have the right resources and the number of people. Um, we see it in our research when we ask about things like, you know, emerging tech. And there's this aspirational type of answer that we get where, yeah, we're jumping into to VR or, you know, whatever you name your, your emerging tech, because there's so many. Um, but the reality is, they don't have 10,000 people working on it and, and they probably really aren't in the field selling it aggressively and ably at this point. And so I think there's a disconnect between um, what people say they're capable of doing right now with technology, those who are selling it in the, in the business, so to speak, uh, and what is really happening. Well, I get a laugh at like, it's this hard, industry. It's hard. Like this is really hard work. I put out a video, uh, you know, early in the in, early in the year, early late last year, called "Don't Start an MSP," and, and it's literally like literally. I, I go through it. Here, are I watched list. it. I watched it. it. Thank it was you. <laughs> but it, was, it literally is. Here's the long list of problems you've got to solve to be an IT services company today. And I think back to, you know, I started my, my, my MSP business in 2002 and I was judged really just on my kind of ability to solve infrastructure problems. Like literally that was the one thing that I was judged on our ability to do that. Now, if you want to run an IT services firm, you've got to understand, I mean, that's just a minor piece of it. You need to understand the business implications of everything. You need to be aware of all the regulation. You need to be able to be a, a threat assessor and you need to be able to do risk management. And by the way, we can get a whole cybersecurity realm. Like you have so many more things that you need to be able to do now to effectively deliver services in this space, it's just way harder. So in, in a way, Seth, you're, you're talking about the digital divide. It's like, yeah, this space has also gotten harder, a lot harder. That's profitable, right? I like it. I like areas of complexity. I like areas where you need to be good at it to make money because that means the money's there and the margin is good. But we have to acknowledge it's a lot harder than it used to be. Yeah, and the investment that it, that is um, that you need to make is is so much higher, right? Whether, and, and whether back it's to, people or training or whatever it happens to be, right? And back to a uh, point that you made, Dave. You know, the, the the divide is kind of a symbol of just general segmentation that's happening, which means that it's it's not only harder, but it's getting more complex. And I think what that means, just to kind of maybe wrap this one up before we move on to the next one, is we kind of have to know what discussion we're having here, right? So like, Carolyn, you mentioned emerging tech, and we've been beating the drum on emerging tech for the past year saying, you can't just talk about emerging tech like it's going to fit into your old business model or your old portfolio um, the same way some other piece might have done, right? Like maybe some of it will happen, but like if, if you're wanting to have a discussion about reselling product, there are only a few parts of emerging technology that are going to fit into that. 
um, if you want to have a discussion about monitoring and managing a client's assets. You know, there, there are pieces there, but you, you can't just kind of throw it all together and say, the tech industry looks like this, you know, that there's, there, there's a simple way of looking at it. And it's never been all that simple, but I think it's gotten far, far more complex. So um, I, I think that that's a thing that is not really well appreciated right now. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens as, uh, as people are coming out of the pandemic and, and maybe wanting to apply technology even more and having to get more serious about what that looks like. So uh, Dave, do you want to take it away for topic number two? Yeah. So the, the big thing that I've been thinking about a lot is, is the new skill sets, the non-technical ones that aren't being discussed. Again, we, we're talking about this, this idea of a small midsize or midsize regional IT services firm. You know, the, the, and we know they are smaller firms. And I think now a lot about the skill set required there that that we would never have talked about before and i'll give you a couple of examples of like people that i literally think need to be roles now in this kind of organization i think there needs to be like like a risk management like a risk officer like risk expertise and how do you manage risk how do you uh like the way insurance brokers think about that and, and being able to communicate to your customers risk-based choices the, the legal compliance that I think that's a core competence. You've got to spend a lot of time right now researching and tracking all of the, the regulations and laws that you have to, have to comply with. That's not just an afterthought. That's a core competency that you have to be doing on a pretty regular basis. Oh, and by the way, it's getting really hard. Like that's getting really complicated really fast as uh, we move in on this space. You've, you've got to have business analysts. I know all three of us talk a lot about the idea of like, well, you've got to be business outcome based. That requires some skill set in the organization that is an actual business analyst that can understand a customer's pain and quantify how outcomes will be measured. You've got to have trainers, like actual people that are educational focused specialists that teach the implementation of the technologies and teach best practice and usage. I think culture and HR advisors are becoming a, a core competency. When we're going to talk, I know, Carolyn, you want to talk about some of the tech implementations. Like you've got to have expertise now in an IT services firm about how to build a culture that actually embraces the technology and is successful with that. Everything I've just described are like full roles in an IT services firm that have nothing to do with your technical skill set. And wow, this is a whole area of space we've not had conversations about expertise in these firms. I don't think we're having enough conversations about those because everything I've just talked about having feels so critically important. By the way, again, it's profitable. And it's the area we need to be investing in. It's interesting because that fits right into this whole concept of the digital divide within the tech industry. So how do you tell a, you know, million dollar, you know, $2 million MSP with 10, 15 employees that they need people in these type of job roles and how are they going to fill those? Um, that's the question that I'm, sh I'm sure they ask themselves if they're thinking about it. And I think Dave, you're right that most are not, mm -hmm. um, but that, you know, if they are thinking about it or they're getting advice that they should be, um, 
how do they go about doing this when they're literally, literally just trying to, you know, fulfill their clients' needs and keep the lights on? Uh, the innovator's dilemma, right? <laughs> like how, do, how do I how do I pivot my business to what I need to become without at the right time and at the right place without completely destroying my existing business? Mm-hmm. The thing that's coming to mind for me is uh, this this phrase that we've all been kind of throwing around for the past few years of every technology is becoming, or every company is becoming a technology company. And in the past year or so, I know Carolyn and I have been talking about this, Dave, maybe you've been in on some of these conversations too, where it's like, that's not actually true because if you're a technology company, then that means that this is your output and these are your profit margins and like, these are your expectations. Um, so at the end of the day, you're still a real estate company or you're still a hospital or you're still this. And like, that's your business. That's your core business. But I I think that the truth behind, you know, that catchy little phrase is that industries are blending a lot more. And, and that's what makes me think Dave of like what you're talking about that, like, because the technology industry itself is not kind of in a silo as much anymore because it is having such broad influence and because it's growing, that's why you need all of these things. Um, and, and, and again, there could be some digital divide here, you know, so like if you're, if you're not putting out some software that's possibly affecting society, then maybe you don't need an ethicist on board, but maybe you do, right? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it kind of depends on what you're doing. Uh, but but you can't just say all I'm doing is the technology anymore. But, and what's interesting is even if you don't need an ethicist on board, that when I say there's a role in there, someone has to own that responsibility. Even if it's not a full-time headcount style role, like someone has to own that responsibility and the execution against that. That is a role to be assigned in the organization. And again, we think back to, we've been having these conversations about service, IT service delivery for a long time. We weren't having that conversation 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Like here's a whole new bit. And you're exactly right. Like I think of, of data ethics as a really interesting area because we're now data is the, the valuable asset advising customers on how to protect it, invest in it. Like it has an element of both the legal compliance, but also the, am I doing the right thing by my customers to be a competitive advantage? Someone has to be thinking about that, have the skills to do it. Again, it may not be a full-time headcount, but that's a role in that org. Well, this, this might be a stretch, but I, I'd, I'd say this is a little bit analogous to how uh, channel firms, solution providers, MSPs have approached marketing where they didn't really have full-time marketing professionals on staff. They needed them. They sure did, especially as we've moved to this as a service world and and you're much less reliant on who the vendor is that you uh, work with as your calling card when you go to see customers. And what we've seen in our research is that more and more uh, solution providers today are realizing we might not be able to hire a full-time marketing, you know, VP or whatever, but we, someone within this organization has to devote at least half time to the branding and marketing aspect of our business or else we're going to fail. And it's, you know, it, it's maybe a little bit of a shaky analogy, but I, I, I see, I see a connection there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these are, this is, this is a long list, right? Like I just listed in mind five different versions. Seth, you add another one. If you think about that, like, 
these are all new roles and responsibilities within these orgs that they've not traditionally taken advantage of. And you got to do some upskilling around like that is that is that takes investment that, and that is likely not skills that you have internally now. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the last thing that I'm thinking on this that I think ties into our final topic here is getting technology right has never been more difficult. Uh, so, so now, you know, the, the solution that's getting delivered is more complex and it's getting a lot more focused. People are looking at that technology harder and they have more stringent requirements on it. Uh, so, so getting it right is, is really important and difficult now. And, and it's that focus on technology, uh, Carolyn, that I think kind of ties into, into your point. So bring it home. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here against technology, interested in your thoughts and um, in full acknowledgement that we all work in the tech industry. So this is how we, you know, um, put food on the table. But I was thinking a lot about what's gone on in the last year and all of us being fairly isolated and fairly is probably um, uh, not exactly the right adjective to use, but adverb, excuse me. Um, but we've been very tethered to our technology. And, and, and that has been a good thing for professionals who need to work from home. It's enabled us to stay employed and enabled us to stay connected. But I know in my own life, and, I, and I've noted in other people's lives, this notion of a, just a tech weariness going on, just never getting a break from it. Uh, so this is less of a business conversation and more, I think, of a, a personal type of conversation. But, you know, the complete reliance we've had on technology to do our jobs, which we do in our houses, and then also as the means by which we keep our relationships with the outside world going, uh, social media, whatever that happens to be, is just, I think, become overwhelming. And, and I, like I said, I've, I've, I've talked to people who I, who I, who openly say that after this, after we can finally go outside again, you know, they're going to be taking a break from technology. And I'm, I'm interested what you guys think. I mean, again, you can argue both sides of the coin here. We need technology. It's helped us so tremendously, but I sometimes just want to shut the laptop down and go away. So it's a, it's such an interesting take on it. And I, and I don't disagree with you, but, but I've been thinking, because I've been thinking about a lot about this when in the context of the return, right? What's the post look like? And because I, I say in the, in, the, in the before times, right? We had a, we had a, way, we had a way of doing work. Like we had a de defined way of work. And then, then we had March of 2020 and, it, and it, everything changed and it changed with no deliberate thought. I think that's like it, it changed in three weeks. We went to what was possible at that moment. I think a lot these days around the, the quote from Jurassic Park, the uh, your scientists were so busy asking if they could, did they ask if they should? Yeah. And, and as I think about the, as what's going to come next, the new thing, everyone is, feels like they're in such a rush to, to the next, to, to be, whatever the next thing is without thinking about what that should look like. This actually should be an incredibly exciting time because what we've just proven is we can do anything. We can do anything. We went from one paradigm to the other in three weeks by just all agreeing it was required. 
Now you can go on whatever pace you want to whatever future state an organization wants to pick. But I think you need to make deliberate investments and choices in the way that technology is used. Carolyn, you're right to say we are all wary. And one of the reasons why is we, we did not give thought to the best outcome. We went to what was possible in that three-week time frame. So we said, what we can do is throw everybody home and we can put them on video and that'll work. That's what we did. But right now we could say, you know what we want? Let's design the new paradigm that actually gives thought to how do you balance what's good for the human psyche, what's actually an investment in productivity. And I think those that give that investment and think about doing it smartly will work. There's tons of emerging research coming out around things like the use of cameras and looking at yourself and, and the design of workspaces and how, like there's all of these pieces and you can now design a new thing. I think that the, I would agree with you. There's a big tech awareness. It's in, we didn't give a lot of thought to this. Let's not make that same mistake now that we can do whatever we want at whatever pace we want to. Yeah, and I would argue, Dave, the same thing that we've argued throughout this pandemic with so many technology trends that that three weeks was, an or, or what's happened in the past year is an acceleration of what had been happening. So we had been talking about tech backlash a few years ago, mm -hmm. and that topic kind of went away even pre-pandemic, um, but it did pop up. And I think that the reason that tech backlash popped up and the reason that we've led to this tech weariness over the past year was kind of similar to what you were saying, Dave, about like spend, uh, you know, earlier, the, the assumption with technology for decades has always been more tech is better. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think we got to a tipping point where it was like, Oh, nope, we can't just keep applying more of it because now we we're having some unintended consequences. Right. Um, I just read a book, uh, Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, uh, where he kind of examines what have we done to ourselves now that, you know, we've, we've plugged in to the degree that we've plugged into and, and how can we, you know, not go full throw Walden on it, but how can we use the good pieces of this, but manage them properly for our own, you know, mental health, well-being, um, and, and to remain connected, but, yeah. but not drive ourselves crazy. I was literally just reading a research study this morning because that's what, that's what people like us do, right? Is read research <laughs> studies. <laughs> and I was reading one where the human brain is actually wired to believe that more is often the solution in general, like the acquisition, the, the hoarding of resources, like at, that adding is our natural inclination on a solution. But in fact, there are times where less does result in more positive outcomes, yet your inclination is not to go there. So for example, there are times where less technology is more. You know, we all know it in that sort of design thing where oftentimes slowing down results in a, you know, a shorter delivery schedule. <laughs> you know, my, my father always said it in, in word working, it's the measure twice, cut once, uh, you know, philosophy, but you're not necessarily wired to think that. 
this is this is where like being deliberate a little bit of slowness does actually result in a better outcome you know i also think that the, one of the things that we need we need to look at is there has been some upside like one of like in in many cases there's a, there's been a lot of real struggles this past year but there are some people that are have more time at home that have closer relationships with family that are able that are leveraging this into better outcomes this is a good time to to take a look and say what are the elements of this that we want to keep with us and what are the elements that we want to make change with i laugh my my personal one is is the i apparently like the outside more than i thought i did right <laughs> like like I, I i will probably have many more meals outside than i my natural inclination before would have been take that basic idea and apply it to our technology in some cases less is going to be more yeah, I, I, I like that a lot, Dave. I like the whole idea of um, now having a moment where hopefully we can be deliberative in, in how we decide to move forward. And you're right. We had those three weeks where it was chaotic and companies pivoted very quickly and bravo and all of that. That's fantastic. It kept a lot of us employed and some not. Yeah. We don't work, you know, we're, we're fortunate to work in the tech industry itself. So I don't want to leave out others because there's a lot of industries where the pivot was not possible. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but the, the, but the idea now that we can sit, you know, with a piece of paper across the table and, and, and figure out how, what this looks like going forward, you know, how much tech is too much tech, how, you know, how little is too little, uh, which industries benefit most from X, Y, and Z, and how do we deal with our personal lives? Um, it's like a big sigh, and you know, that, that movie, you know, uh, waiting to exhale. I feel like we've all been waiting to exhale and we may be rounding the corner where we can finally do that and then do some, like I said, deliberative, you know, examination of what we decide to do going forward and how it works. Yeah. And remember that, that I mean, the pressure that happened in March of 2020, again, I, I, I'm with you, like the, the tech industry, industry in general, in many cases, did a really great job. There was a real pressure for speed that was important. Pressure for speed now is perceived not real. Mm -hmm. It is not an actual mm -hmm. real pressure. You can move at whatever speed is appropriate to, to hit your goals. <laughs> that, that is, it is, it is not a real pressure now. I mean, if, if you're feeling there is pressure to get back to the office from who, from what you, you, you don't have to, you, I'm not saying you don't, you shouldn't, I'm not advocating a particular stance. I'm just acknowledging that the pressure is artificial where it was real before it's like the little engine that could or the tortoise in the hair you know yeah oh it's those all they're, they're classic fables for yep. a reason <laughs> like there's a lesson to be learned there yes <laughs> well uh I don't know if this discussion will necessarily get any of these topics on the radar if they've been flying under the radar, but hopefully they do. And at a minimum, uh, I've had a whole lot of fun having this discussion with you too. Uh, so as always, Dave, it's been a great time. Uh, you are one of the OG guests on Bali. So it's always great to have you here. And Hello. it's fun to uh, hang out with you guys. These are great fun conversations and hopefully we stimulated some thought and direction for some people. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely encourage anyone to check out Dave's podcast. If you haven't already, it's the business of tech. So uh, check that out. Thanks for, thanks for coming by again, Dave.
Always Thanks fun. for having me. All right. We'll talk to you both soon. All righty. Bye-bye.